True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Domingo, Santana, ooh, I want to add you to my roster. In Roto, replacing Gio Soto, Giolito, and Brito. Baby, where'd my fab go? Near the Florida Keys. There's a place in Miami. That's where you want to be to get ahead of your He'll help in points or OBP. Heath will approve cause he's under 30. Cause Heath's an ageist on the podcast. Mazzara and Para project. Who am I, Wara? Herrera, Cabrera. Don't let the bait scare ya. Machado or Bono or no. Kokomo Tuesday here, Tuesday night on Fantasy Baseball Today. Fantasy Baseball Today after dark or after hours, whatever we're calling it. Adam Azer here with Scott White. What's up, Scott? Hey, Adam. How are you? These podcasts are fun, aren't they? Like, I'm glad to be back. I took so many months off. I'm having a great time. I know. I I wondered what you were doing. I was like, this is exactly where you want to be. Yep, yep. Well, I'll tell you who didn't want to be here. Somebody who used to be a friend of the program and then just let, just abandoned us. Just said, screw you, CBS. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> uh, he used to love Rick Porcello. He's Al Melchior, and he's back. I am. Thanks for that uh, that introduction. <laughs> Although, you know, th- this kind of feels like the, one of these dreams. I don't know if you guys have this, this dream, but like a dream where you forget to go to class for an entire year and you, you realize it like around finals time. Like, it just seems like... yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Everybody has that dream. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, so it's like, you know, Very I fun. would do podcasts with you guys pretty much every day. And then for, you know, three and a half years, I, I just sort of forgot. <laughs> How are things? Are in... you scared yeah. right now? Is that what you're telling us? Oh, yeah. You're, <laughs> you're kind yeah, of disheveled. I don't know what, own, I, what I caught shaved, up. Your hair is kind of messy. Has, has Rick Porcello been good the last couple of years? Yeah, <laughs> not so much, but, you know, new team. So Al, yeah, Al is working with The Athletic now. And yeah, just tell tell us uh, how to find you and how to find your stuff. Al All right, and rotographs. Um, so yeah, I'm writing for both places, and so yeah, you can 
find my work uh, in the MLB fantasy arena at the Athletic and uh, in the Rotographs section of uh, of Fangraphs. And um, oh, and a new podcast, Fantasy Baseball in Fifteen, on the Athletic. Although you can yeah. get it, it's outside the paywall. You can get it at uh, any place where you get your podcasts. Are you still and, at Al Milk CBS on Twitter, or did you? <laughs> no, I, I did. I changed that in my my dream. <laughs> Uh, it is now at Al Melchior BB. All right, cool. At Al Melchior BB. Follow him on Twitter. And um, he's going to give us some some players he likes this week and, or tonight. He's going to give us some players he likes for the season tonight. And we're going to answer a question about head-to-head categories leagues. We're going to ask uh, Al who he's taking first overall in Roto Leagues, who he's taking first overall in Points Leagues. We're going to talk about Mark Hanna. We have an email about Ramon Laureano. Guys who aren't on the A's. Let's get started here. Our email of the day is from Jeff. From a head-to-head for a head-to-head categories league, I think this format puts more of a spotlight on weekly steals production when drafting players. Even a twenty player any even a twenty steal players steal production is extremely sporadic week to week, with many zeros over the course of the season. Would love your thoughts on how you might evaluate steals differently or not when drafting in a head-to-head categories league weekly. Compared to season-long Roto. Scott, what do you think? You just did a head-to-head categories league draft today, right? Yeah, I did. And I ended up with three three guys who I think will ha- deliver 20-ish steals. But this is a thought I've had about this format before. And uh, talking about getting as much impact as possible from each spot when you don't have the luxury of letting stats play out over a full season. The problem with stolen bases is there's just so few few guys who are going to deliver a real hearty total. I feel like uh, unless you get Trey Turner, you know, at the end of round one, or I, I probably prioritize it more in the middle in that format. Uh, I'm, I'm not confident that, that there is going to be one guy who you feel like is going to give you a steady stream of steals from week to week. So you went with the three. So who'd you take? I took Trey Turner, first pick of round two, oh, actually. Okay. Um, and I got Tommy Edmond. Uh, who else did I get? Um, I know I got Bo Bichette, but that's not one of the three I'm talking about. Although I do feel like he has some steals potential that uh, he hasn't delivered on yet. Okay. I'd have to. I'd have to open up my roster. But when you took Trey Turner and his theoretically forty-ish steals. Oh, I didn't. I didn't take Trey Turner. I. I was picking at the. I was picking 12th, so I didn't have a shot at Trey Turner. I took Trevor Story. Oh, did Trevor I say Story. Trey Turner? I, Al, what did he say? Trey Turner or Trevor Story? Uh, Scott, you said Trey Turner. You, oh. s- Scott, you liar. Uh. You took Trevor Story. Okay. <laughs> Trevor Story. Yeah. Okay. So I got Trevor Story, Tommy Edmond, and. Uh, yeah, those look like the only two. I think Bo Bichette is my third best source of steals. And he didn't do much of that when he got called up last year, but has a good track record of it in the minors. So I'm hopeful he'll. I'm hopeful he'll get 15 or so, I hope. Okay, Al, head-to-head categories league, how do you approach steals? You know, probably not that differently. You know, and Scott, I think the first thing Scott said was there just aren't that many players that are going to really steal in bulk over the course of a season. So maybe it, it puts a little bit more of a premium on the Trey Turners and the the Jonathan VRs. Um, but, you know, other than that, I don't really think there's a whole lot you can do. And uh, I would say in a shallower league, Maybe you can um, work the waivers a little bit more. And one thing that I noticed is that the uh, NL East, you got Travis Darno, 
course, notorious for, you know, being porous with the running game, Wilson Ramos and, um, and Kurt Suzuki, you know, none have historically been very good at throwing out base runners. So, you know, maybe somebody like a John birdie, if he, you know, works his way into pretty regular playing time in a shallower league, maybe that's somebody that you can, you know, stream on and off either waivers or stream on and off your bench, but that's, you know, that's really working at the margins. I don't think there's a whole lot different that you can do. I'll tell you one thing you could do. You could punt steals. How do you feel about punting steals? Let's say in a, I mean, I, I'm, Totally fine with it if there are more than five categories. You know, if it's six by six, then I think it's almost easy to punt steals. Yeah. And if it's five by five, though, would you do it? No. <laughs> no. See, I, I, no, I, I don't know, Scott, because I think, I think if you if you take the approach that you're going to punt, like uh, if you're going to if you're going to go all relievers and you're going to try to win three pitching and three pitching categories every week and punt wins and strikeouts, then you can't do it. But if you're not going to take that sort of wild wild west pitching strategy. Why not? Why not punt steals? Well, if we're if we're still emphasizing a head-to-head categories league and not a roto league, yeah. Uh, people who listen to this podcast know this is kind of kind of a format I've struggled with. So I don't even know that I'm speaking from a position of authority here. But I I I don't want to narrow my path, give myself fewer options on a path to victory because everybody's going to have steel problems. You know, everybody is. So give myself no chance of getting a win in that category every week, especially since the kind of players you're drafting for steals right now, they, they are these that help in multiple categories. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not somebody who's advising people to draft Malik Smith. So it's not like, yeah, you have to pay up. You have to take a a, draft, a, a riskier player to secure steals, but not a player who's going to set you back in other categories necessarily uh, while also delivering steals. I'm thinking somebody like Kevin Biggio. I mean, he could provide big power numbers in yeah. addition to the steals. Tommy Edmonds is going to be a great source of average, and I don't think he's going to be a zero in power. So I, I, I don't think that makes sense. Okay. That, Al, yeah. what, do you, what do you think? Uh, last word on this. Uh, I'm just gonna co-sign with with Scott here. I no, it's like you never really left, mean. Al. You're just you're just part of the part of the family still. Yeah, yeah, but uh, no, you know, I just agree with everything that Scott just said. Okay, I I would say that you could like maybe quasi punt and not make a huge investment and still win a week. I mean, you could win a week with two steals. Some it just it just happens, you know, because steals are like the like the emailer was saying. They're unpredictable from a week-to-week basis. If you have only two guys on your... If you have Trevor Story and Tommy Edmond, those are only two steal sources, you didn't make a huge investment in it, and you still might win a week here or there. You might win one out of every three, every four weeks in steals. I don't know. That's a quasi-punt. And you still have good players. No, not really. I mean, because, you know, to come back again to the fact that guys like Edmond, you know, are going to be pretty good for steals, um, relatively speaking, but good for steals, relatively speaking, still probably does mean like one or two a week. Right. So you're not, you're not accidentally going to get a Tommy Edmond or a Garrett Hampson or a Victor Robles. Okay. So, so, but story, but story is not someone that you're, you're not taking Trevor story 12th overall just because he gets you steals. Like he, he warrants the 12th pick, even if he steals like 15 bases, right? I would have passed Close him over it. if I didn't, if I wasn't hopeful he was going to give me 20 steals. I forget who else was there at that point, but I mean, it's definitely the steals that um, push him 
push him to the front of the tier, let's say. Sure. All right, in summation, don't punt steals. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. Uh, we have a Facebook group, brand spanking new, Fantasy Baseball Today. Search for it on Facebook. I tweeted out a link today. We have over 13,000 people, I think, in our fantasy football group. So let's go with let's go for half of that. Let's get 7,000 people in our fantasy baseball group. Get in there. Ask questions. The group will answer. Will answer. Not all of your questions will be approved, but many of them will. Um, we can't have you know hundreds of posts every day, but we'll try to you know. And then like we'll post like a a waiver wire thread, and you can just comment on it, stuff like that. Uh, so it's very it was very very helpful for football. We did some Q&As in there. I think you're going to really like it. Just talking fantasy baseball with people who love it. Fantasy baseball today. Find it on Facebook. Al, all right, here we go. Tough questions for you, Al. Are you ready? All right. I Yes, I am ready. Can you like maybe turn up the heat on your lamp to make it seem like you're re- under interrogation right now? Sure. Okay, thank you. Note he is, he is, let's just pretend he's doing it. Okay, are you down? I see down- a bead of sweat going <laughs> yeah, down his forehead. Yeah, I you have to pretend. <laughs> are you downgrading the Astros because they're big cheaters? Uh, not across the board, but generally, yeah. Um, I'm downgrading Altuve. And not a lot. You know, that's the whole thing. Is this, It's not terribly meaningful for most of these players. I'm, it's to the point where... Um, I'm probably waiting on second base because if I don't downgrade Altuve, to, to me, he's just the obvious number one guy. And I've got enough doubt there that I'm probably waiting a little while. Uh, I'm downgrading Bregman. But, you know, in, in both of these cases, it's it's like I've got some doubts about these players already. So the cheating thing is, is sort of a tiebreaker. And in Bregman's case, uh, he overperformed his his ex woba and you know i just uh, he generated a lot of power by pulling and i don't know if he's going to be able to pun intended pull that off uh, again in 2020 so you know <laughs> but like michael brantley no i'm not going to discount him i don't okay. see any reason to i think the price on brantley already is too low well altuve so, al though like in 2017 which was the main year of this he was much better on the road than he was at home. He slugged almost, he slugged 170 points higher uh, on the road than he did at home. So does that, I think that's kind of why we sort of said, eh, don't, don't, don't worry about Altuve. What do you think? Uh, well, like I said, I, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a really good point, but you know, he's doesn't make contact as often as he used to. And so he's really living more on the power stats. And I've just got enough doubt about him carrying that over that, I'm just not going to view him the same way as I would if we didn't know about all the cheating in 2017. Okay. Would you take Jose Altuve or look at guys that were going around him, Xander Bogarts? Bogarts. Scott? I would take Altuve, but I'm not wild about either of those players that they're going great and... Part of it's because one is a second baseman and one is a shortstop. So I think of I think of all the Astros hitters, Altuve is the one that makes most sense to downgrade. But it, I think part of what Al was saying is there are there are there was the seed of doubt planted even before any of this scandal stuff came up with Altuve. Sure. Um, it was such a 
such a uh, outlier season power wise, and he doesn't run anymore. And he's he's just showing some characteristics of aging that would might that might that would encourage you not to give him the benefit of the doubt. So that's that's the Astros hitter I'm most worried about, and it's almost independent of any uh, sign stealing scandal. Okay, again, it seems like you guys are thinking along the same lines. Question number two, Al. Are you downgrading Mookie Betts now that he's on the Dodgers? No, and I'm not sure why I would. I mean, actually, I, I you know, can think of at least one rationale, which is that uh, he is getting a, a bit of a downgrade in park factor. But, nah, I, I think he pretty much supersedes the park factor issue. And the other thing is that I've got him fourth overall. I've got Bellinger fifth. And I've got some concerns about Bellinger having played through an injury for the latter part of, of 2019. And I admit that my thinking on this has changed a bit because Jeff Zimmerman wrote a great piece for Rotographs where he researched players who played through an injury uh, through part of a season and compared their pre-injury and post-injury production. And players who dropped off while playing through an injury tended to do much worse the following year. And Bellinger did much worse after he was injured. Interesting. So, you know, I'm not going to drop bets behind him. What was the injury? I don't even remember the injury. <laughs> yeah. uh, I actually am, am blanking on it myself. Okay, I'll see if I can well, find I, it. Well, I think yeah. it was, was it maybe a leg injury? Because didn't he steal bases early and stopped? Let's double, let's check it out. This is Cody Bellinger yeah. we're talking it about. It was a... Please be a leg injury. Let's see. He didn't actually serve like an IL stint or anything. No. Um, but he no, had... I, I threw it. Well, he had a right. He missed a game with a right knee injury in April, and he yeah. missed a shoulder injury in May. So he didn't even. It doesn't look like he missed a game. With yeah, no, this was, was like the, the the whole second half. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. I'll keep looking. And I apologize have... that I'm I'm blanking on it. No, I put you on the spot. It's fine. It's, uh, well, it's something I should know. <laughs> I can move on to the next question while I research this here. Yeah. Well, he did steal 11 bases before the All Star break, and six after the All Star break. He actually looks like he stole nine bases in June. So that was a quite a month for him. And then he must have suffered that leg injury in July 1st. Uh, the the my- mythical leg injury. Okay, so Al has uh, Mookie Betts fourth. Uh, who is your number one overall pick in Roto? Who's your number one overall pick in points leagues? Same, both. Um, I'm still going Trout for hey. the zillionth year in a row. My <laughs> man. Yeah, no, I'm still going Trout. And this is kind of process of elimination because it's really hard to to sort out the big three, I'm sure. You know, you all have had that discussion probably multiple times, but um, and I do have concerns about Yelich, uh, you know, coming back from the, the kneecap injury and, and just not being certain whether or not he's going to start off slowly. And, you know, if it's Trout versus Acuna, I mean, I, I have really solid expectations of what I'm going to get from Mike Trout. I don't know if uh, Acuna might have overperformed a little bit last year. So I'm, I'm taking what to me feels like the safer the safer play. We haven't talked about it that much, Scott. I think with one guy we haven't talked enough about probably is Yelich. I feel like we're always comparing Trout to Acuna if we're talking about this at all because it's always, well, it gets steals with Acuna. Uh, and it's a no-brainer for us to take Trout number one. But, I, you know, for the end of, uh, toward the end of last season, I said, I'm taking Yelich. I'm taking Yelich number one. That was before his injury. And... I, I backed away from that just because, look, I, I don't know that it's so obvious that Yelich would steal more bases than Trout, right? Just No, it's not obvious. Right? It's not combined. Like the fractured kneecap, that's what Jose Altuve suffered 
midway through 2018 and kept playing through it. But he hasn't really run since. Uh, second half 2018, he stopped running and he didn't run last year. I think he had like six steals or something. Uh, and and look, sprint speed, according to StatCast, Altuve still has elite sprint speed. So it, it seems more like a decision thing than a loss of ability. And maybe Yelich, you know, like I always say with stolen bases, it's it's probably, I don't even want to put a, a really high percentage, 75-80% intent versus ability. And I just wonder if after suffering, you know, considering he's been the best hitter in baseball the past two years, and then he suffers that kind of injury, is he or the Brewers or both going to say, it's not worth risking this guy on the base paths? Mm-hmm. All right, thank you for answering those questions, Al. You're off the hot seat. It will be a more favorable show for you later because you'll just get to talk about the guys you like. All right. It's it's just coasting from here on out. Bellinger had knee tendinitis that he was removed from a game with. July 1st? uh, Looks like July. Yeah, (laughs) I knew it. All right, I think that's our winner. (laughs) Very... Very little information about this on the Google machine, though. So that's a, that's a sneaky one. So, yeah, yeah. you got any more to add there, or shall we move no, on? No, no, other than, I mean, I'm just, I'm just bummed because I actually <laughs> did find some stuff on this, and now it's, it's just, you know, gone through my mind like a sieve, so. It's okay. Al, it's Taco Tuesday for Al. Give him a break. He's very full. <laughs> <laughs> I told you guys I ate too many chips. <laughs> yeah, chips are so good. They just... They're just they're poison. Okay, we got news and notes, including uh, already a bad call by Scott. Sorry, man. You tell you said Scott. Oh, over, I, you said Scott over yesterday. It's yeah, shoulder sure. injury. Oh, his shoulder. Yep. Okay. For, for, sustained uh, on. I'm reading this from Jeff Zimmerman's piece. Sustained on May sixth. May sixth. Oh, okay. So that's but when, he kept he kept crushing it in May. I guess that's when the batting average started to go down. It was May sixth. I mean, I he know. hit. For the month. Let me look up its month-by-month numbers. It was all in the first five days, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Cinco de Mayo. He went out. He had too many chips. So in May, Cody Bellinger hit 319. It was the second-best batting average for a month. 319 with six homers and 998 OPS. It was the second-best month overall. Uh, April was just ridiculous. He had 431 with 14 homers and a 1397 OPS. So, hey, maybe... (laughs) Maybe he would have been that good for the whole season if not for the shoulder injury. Who knows? <laughs> All right, we got some news. Scott talked about Scott Oberg yesterday as a late-round pick he like. But Black yeah. says Wade Davis is going to be Colorado's closer. Yeah. That, <laughs> that earned a Justin Timberlake staring at the camera gif from me. Because... <laughs> uh, there had been no indication. Like, I, I, I had really... I think I even posted it to Twitter once. Has anybody seen anything about who the Rockies closer is going to be? And everybody was just like, oh, it's obviously Scott Oberg. Come on. And then, of course, uh, Bud Black comes forward with this. I, I I have a feeling it's not going to last. I don't think Wade Davis has much of anything left. So I'm 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 inclined to not really move Scott Oberg in my rankings. I'm going to have to move Wade Davis. But everybody's drafting Will Smith ahead of Mark Melanson in Atlanta. And I think... Melanson has a much better chance of retaining the role there than uh, than Wade Davis does for the Rockies. 
Yeah, this was surprising. Oberg, last two years, 245 ERA, 225 ERA. Wade Davis, last two years, 413 ERA, 865 ERA. Davis was actually pretty good for most of 2018, though. He had a bad stretch midseason, and then in his last 18 appearances, he had a .5 ERA. But still, I mean, there was last year. Can't forget about that. And Al, do you agree with Scott? Uh, yep, pretty Oberg, much. I, I hold out maybe just a shred of hope. That because as you pointed out, he finished 2018 really strong. Maybe he can kind of pull a Greg Holland, where you know Holland is. It's been feast or famine. He's been really bad and has been able to stay healthy. But he's had stretches in each of the last two seasons where he's been really good. So maybe Davis does have that that little bit left in the tank enough where he can sustain that role for a while. But I, I you know, it's a situation I'm just going to be avoiding. Sorry, I'm mesmerized by Justin Timberlake's eyes. I'm looking at Scott's GIF right now. Very good <clears> stuff. Okay, Shohei Otani won't be able to pitch until mid-May at the earliest. He had knee surgery in September, which sort of postponed his rehab from Tommy John. So he can hit, but Al, he can't pitch Shohei Otani until mid-May at the earliest. What does that mean for you? Oh, it means I'm bummed. I mean, that's, you know, because already you had to discount him a little bit, um, pitching every sixth day at best. Uh, with the innings being limited and, uh, you know, now you're taking away a, a quarter of the season, probably best case scenario. So, uh, you know, it's hard to, hard to value him because for that final three quarters of the season, he could give you a lot of really great starts, but a, I know he's been going typically as a top 40 starter, but I don't see how he can really be anywhere near that at this point. You know, maybe, maybe top 60. Unless it's a daily lineup league, which is a total game changer with him. We just oh, did yeah. a head-to-head categories mock using Yahoo rules basically today, and which meant daily lineups. Heath took Shohei Otani 15th overall, which <laughs> I can't get behind moving him up that much if he's not going to be pitching at all for the first six weeks. But, um, but he is worthy of a significant upcharge in that format he's he goes 122 on average in uh you know standard roto formats according to fantasy pros but i could see him being like a fourth round pick in a daily league where you're going to get about the full extent of both his hitting and pitching contributions by the way when he is rehabbing officially on a minor league rehab assignment working his way back as a pitcher the angels were able to work out a deal with with MLB where he can go down and make a rehab start and then come back up and DH the next day. So I don't know why Shohei Otani gets to rewrite the whole rule book. Clearly MLB wants the Shohei Otani thing to work because they wow. are giving him all kinds of special treatment. But that's obviously good news for somebody who drafts Otani as a hitter. Rockies GM Jeff Brittich said, I hope I said that right, said no comment when he was asked about his relationship with Nolan Arenado. Does anyone think Arenado is going to get traded? Does anybody draft Nolan Arenado thinking, hey, he might get traded? No, I'm not factoring that in. And and for one thing, he's not somebody I'm really giving a, a Coors Field discount to anyway. Um, and I, th- I don't think he's going to be traded at this point. Dellen Batances said he'll be ready for opening day. He's not the closer, but that's a really good bullpen potentially. So more people to be worried about if you have Edwin Diaz and relief pitcher preview starts tomorrow. Uh, I saw a tweet from Scott about the ballpark dimensions for the new Rangers ballpark. It, Scott, it is a hitter's park, right? 
I don't see any way it couldn't be. And I don't know why I didn't look into this sooner. The Rangers official Twitter accounts tweeted it out in early December. I guess my mind was elsewhere. I don't know. But the left center gap, the power, power alley in left center, it's 20 feet closer than the old Rangers ballpark. And it's like 10 feet closer in right center. They will have a retractable roof, which is going to neutralize the environmental conditions uh, on the days it's closed, which I assume would be most days. But when the power alleys are that close, I don't see how it's not a hitter's park. Okay. Al, I'm, I'm a little worried about yeah, all the pitchers, it's, frankly. It's pretty... It, 374 feet to the left field alley. It's, you know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a hitter's park for it seems clear. Al, agreed? Uh yeah, I, I think I, I it could it could get more neutral though. I I I'm not discounting the impact of the roof. Uh you know the the hot weather there is a big part of what made the old park uh, so hitter friendly. So Maybe those things kind of neutralize each other, which means then it's still a hitter's park. Uh, I think it's it's neutral leading, hitter friendly, you know, at the worst for hitters. And I'll give you guys three more notes. Do any of them matter? The Red Sox nearing a deal with outfielder Kevin Pillar, according to John Heyman. The Cubs signed Jason Kipnis to a minor league deal, and the Seattle Mariners signed Carlos Gonzalez to a minor league deal. I don't think any of them really matter. The one that that might have an impact is the Kipnis signing because that might keep Nico Horner in the the minors longer than it would have otherwise. But uh, I'm not too worried about him being a roadblock. Beautiful. It's Team Mm. Name Tuesday. Team Name Tuesday night. I'm sorry. I was mm-mm-ing something else. Charlie Morton just saw this go out. Charlie Morton said he might retire after this season. Really? Yeah. Didn't he say that two or three years ago? I don't know. I don't know. But it caught I'm, my eye because I'm I just signed sure him to a long-term did, so I, deal. That kind of always sticks in my mind in terms <laughs> of his long-term values. Well, is this the year but he's That was before he so, got good, right? If he was saying it a couple years ago. Yeah, certainly not. He wasn't on this level, yeah. Yeah. You ready for Team Name Tuesday now, Scott? Or should we keep yes, talking about sorry. baseball? Come on. Okay, it's Team Name Tuesday. Send in your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Only applicable for a reigning champ, the repeat oars. Wow, that is a throwback. (laughs) Or utility infielder from what, 15 years ago? Or is it more recent than that? Yeah, it was more recent. I definitely went to baseball reference to see when Pete Orr played. He played for Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic. I know that. He He had to start for them. He retired in 2013. Okay. Yeah, 2005 to 2013. All right, so the repeat oars. Jurassic Chanho Park, Neris Bueller's Day Off. That's a good one. That's two players in one. Row Arc of the Covenant. That's not bad. And Breaking Vlad, which is a common one. Breaking Vlad, we don't need any more of those. That's it's a good one, but it's an oldie. Uh, it's a strong email from Ryan. He's our first in Team Name Tuesday. Dan has nicks my team. It's so lacking in pitching. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's so lacking. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Glaber Metrics. Another oldie but goodie. Uh, this is a good one. Leader Anola. That is from Super Troopers. Leader Acola, Leader Anola. I like that. Okay. One. Yeah. I've never seen Super Troopers, which isn't as embarrassing as having never seen The Matrix, but I but, guess you rectified that. Yes, so. not the case anymore. Super <laughs> Troopers. Uh, I believe I walked out in theaters, but this, but every time I've seen it since, it's very funny. I hated it at first. But it's good. It's funny. And finally, trash barrel rates. 
<laughs> I like that. That's good. That's good stuff. I asked Al for five players he likes. He said, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts. No, no he gave me five <laughs> deeper <laughs> uh, other guys that he likes a lot, I guess. So, um, all right, Al. Number one, coming off a bad year, but he was a top 20 outfielder in 2018, Lorenzo Cain. Yeah, well, this is sort of another Jeff Zimmerman special, but I, I was liking Kane before I even read that piece. So you know, reading Jeff's piece just you know made me uh, kind of reinforce my my bias that I already had towards thinking that Kane was going to be undervalued this year because you know even though he, he played through the thumb injury, uh, he actually produced much better later in the season. So I think that kind of takes away the narrative that. Uh, you know, his, his season was disappointing because, because of playing through that injury. Uh, it was really a lot of the bad numbers were front loaded. So I think he still got the potential to be a big time run scorer, help you with batting average, um, you know, help you with steals as much again as, you know, not, not uh, certainly elite, but uh, you know, that next tier of, of base dealers. And I just think that he's being, penalized way too much for uh for last season scott what do you think about lorenzo kane let's check the adp he's going 183rd overall and there look obviously there's some signs of concern but 2018 like i said let me he was i think he was number 20 in points number 19 in roto and that was in only 141 games he batted 308 and he stole 30 bases yeah you would have to I would have to be confident in the steals because I, I know even if he bounces back, there's not going to be a big power. There's not going to be power output there. And uh, I think a player that I would be more confident would give me more home runs and steals for that matter is uh, going eight picks later on average, Scott Kingery, and he's multi-eligible. So I, I just have a hard time, even at his going rate, um, seeing that, a lot of upside to Kane. I was thinking of that comparison, that same comparison, Scott. Um, and actually, I'm looking at NFBC ADP, and he's going 25 picks earlier there. So okay. maybe being focused more on that is is coloring my idea of what value is. Uh, but <laughs> but you know, even if we look at them as being equivalent in ADP, I you know I think that if nothing else, Kane should be so much better for batting average that I think overall value wise. He's probably going to, I think he's going to be a little better than Kingery. And I'm also way more confident of the playing time. I don't think that Kingery is going to be sitting on the bench, but is it going to be a super utility role or, or is he going to have a truly, you know, steady everyday role? Well, if Kane is back to batting leadoff or second, he, he was batting leadoff for most of last season and he moved down in the order in September. I guess they had just had enough. If he's back to batting leadoff or second for the Brewers, then, and he, you know, he's not a high strikeout guy. So I think. He could be a really good third outfielder in points leagues if you want to wait. I don't see a, a high demand for him in points leagues, so uh, that could be a good option as well. Next up, Al, Mark Canna. I know Scott likes Mark Canna too. Oh, so. yeah. All Can right. I get a what-what? Yeah, this is the originator what? right here. <laughs> <Old> dirty David. <laughs> they have to recycle that. Um, yeah. yeah, I just it, I, it's a head scratcher to me why his ADP is as low as it is. And so I, I'm guessing Scott, you got the CBS uh, up there handy at your disposal. Uh, I've got the NFBC in front of me here. He's a 270, 71st among outfielders. 292 uh, on fantasy pros. Yeah. I, 
uh, see, this is where we get into that. I would say 258 on Fantasy Pros. 258? I'm not seeing any 258s. I'm seeing 283, 371, 286, 267, 252. I swear we had this argument like four years ago. It's a difference of where Canna ranks in ADP versus what the raw ADP is. I don't see the number you said anywhere on the line next to Mark The very left column, 258. 283, I see. If you're ranking every player by ADP, Mark Canna comes in 258. I don't see the number 258, which means you and I are pulling different sources from Fantasy Pros. Okay, it's just Fantasy Pros ADP. I've got five of five sources on February 10th. (laughs) Either way, (laughs) it's very low. I mean, 258 means he's outside the drafting draftable range in in shallower leagues, you know, which is crazy because he... uh, I I mean, I I don't want to take all of that Al's talking points. So I, I, I will just say that the comparison I've been making is Michael Conforto. And he goes like 150 picks later. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Here are some of the players in NFBC who are going far ahead, several rounds ahead. Nick Senzel, Joe Adele, Mitch Haniger, Alex Verdugo, Justin Upton, um, Ryan Braun, Nomar Mazzara, AJ Pollock. I, 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 I don't get it. Mark Hanna had a 913 OPS. That's exceptional. So... Is he good? I mean, this is obviously... He's going to be 31. So he had an age 30 breakout. He hits in a bad park, and he batted 238 at home. Uh, but he was very good at home in 2018. But yeah, it, it's just one of those situations where it really came out of nowhere. And is he good? Is Mark Canna good? Tell me why you're convinced that he's good. You know what? I'm not totally 100% convinced that he's good. I'm convinced that he should be good enough to be in a 12-team league and drafted ahead of... Mitch Haniger, because we don't even know how much time he's going to miss, or Alex Verdugo, because we not, we're not even sure what kind of hitter he's going to be. I mean, Canna, at least last year, demonstrated serious proven upside. Yeah. Well, I, I'll find, I'll add some concrete points. Um, he was a starter from June 26th on, and from that point on, basically provided Chris Bryant numbers. So forget Michael Conforto. If you want to aim really high with your comp, Chris Bryant is potentially one there because he's such a good on base guy. He had always, he had kind of gotten uh, pigeonholed as a platoon player early in his career. He hit righties even better than lefties last year, crushed righties. He made a change to his approach where he started laying off outside pitches. And if you look at on the heat maps on fan graphs, um, it seems to back up the narrative there. He swung much less at those, and that made him. I, I think that contributed to the spike in in walks, and also made him more productive on the pitches he did swing at. So it really seemed like he just figured things out. Perhaps someone who figured something out, Starlin Castro. After the All Star break, he batted three oh two, three thirty four on base. That's not his strength, but a five fifty eight slugging percentage. Sixteen home runs after the All Star break. For Starlin Castro, seven in August, seven in September. So it wasn't just one huge month or anything like that. Now he's with the Nationals. He also had a pretty decent road numbers, 286 batting average, 447 slugging. Uh, I don't know what that really means in the second base landscape these days. But Al, Starlin Castro is someone that you put on your list of players you like. 
Yeah, and it's a little bit similar to Canna in that I'm not convinced that he's going to carry that over. I typically get hung up on like one or two players who have great second halves in in drafts the following year. You know, particularly ones who are are you know uh, not landing on the radar of a lot of other owners. And it's usually pretty low risk, and sometimes it really works out. And Castro, his NFBC ADP is 277, so you know, pretty much same neighborhood as Canna and second base is not particularly deep. He's going to a park. That's an enormous upgrade for him. I mean, he's going from one of the worst parks for hitters and particularly for power to one of the best, both for home runs and doubles. And the team context should obviously be much, much better too. So it just seems like there's very little risk here. He's going undrafted in, in 12 team leagues generally and yet, you know, I look at players in like the 15 to 20 range, Colton Wong, Kevin Newman um, is a couple of examples. Rubenet Odor, who hasn't really done much of anything in three years, is going 50 spots ahead of him. So what's the risk? Interesting. It, is Howie Kendrick the risk? Is, is Starling Castro going to play every day? Does he need to, you know, to give you value? I think he pretty much does, and I don't worry too much about uh, Howie Kendrick. I mean, if you look back to last year, well, first of all, there's always a question of how much of the year he's going to be healthy. But uh, I think you know when he is healthy that he'll just move around, and, and I think there could be spots like last year where he doesn't play that much. Two more players for Al. Let's go to Lucas Giolito. I made fun of, relentlessly made fun of Scott for taking Lucas Giolito over like Jose Altuve and Aaron Judge in a draft. Scott was doing it to prove a point. Uh I don't know if you would do that, Al, but you see It was a points league just <laughs> to to put that out there. But yes, I am I my approach this year, Al, is is I actually wrote a column about it. In roto leagues, steals, but in all leagues, high end starting pitchers. That that's the only real currency in fantasy anymore. Those are the only things that matter. So I am going all out for those two things. In a points league, obviously, it's just the pitchers, not the steals. Yeah. Well, and so that was really Crazy. more a statement about that strategy than about Giolito per se. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. No, Giolito was just the last of his tier left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and go ahead, Al. You know, he, 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 was a, he was number 17 in points, number 13 in Roto last year. He struck out 228 batters and 176 and two-thirds. Yeah, so this is not a, you know, a huge undervaluing that's going on. Uh, again, I'm looking at FBC. He's 14th in ADP among pitchers, and he's certainly behind. Uh, he's right behind Patrick Corbin, who's well-established, obviously. Chris Sale, who still has tremendous upside, but considerable risk. Same thing with Blake Snell. But I I just think that he needs to be up a few a few spots higher in drafts that I've been in. Uh, I feel like he's fallen a little bit too far because when you break down what he did in that breakout last year, I mean, he everything he did was on pretty much an elite level in terms of whiffs and getting chases on out-of-zone pitches. And um, he did have a little bit of a home run problem, but you know, I think he pretty much – is is if not exactly on a par with the big four, he's not that far off. And I think he pretty much holds his own with anybody from Bueller on down. So, you know, he's 14th. I think he should really should be like top 10 or 11. And he's still going to face Detroit and he's yep, going to face Kansas Cleveland City. and he's going to face Kansas City. Uh, you know, Cleveland might not be terrible. Yeah, I, I, I took a look at the schedule for Lucas Giolito to see how he did against 
better opponents. And he had a complete game shutout against Houston, but that was without Altuve, without Springer, without Jordan Alvarez before Alvarez got called and up. Presumably without any trash cans at the dugout. Yeah, presumably. Uh, I won't go through everything, but he had five innings scoreless against Minnesota. He had six innings, one earned run against the Yankees. He had some clunkers too, but that was one thing I was looking for because I looking for with him is I knew he had beat up sort of on bad competition. He he held his own, some good, some bad against the good teams, but obviously he's not going to face great teams every time out. Scott, Scott, is there anything that worries you about Giolito? Not statistically, just the fact that nobody wanted him at this time a year ago, and it was a rather sudden transformation. But it was it was a whole scale transformation. It was pitch selection changed. Um, he threw harder. Not that much, to be honest. Not any more than worries me about the typical. That would worry me about any pitcher, frankly. They're all pretty volatile, but um, they're all pretty replaceable too. One more pitcher, last one that Al likes. The only he only likes two pitchers this year: Giolito and <laughs> David Price. David and Price, I like three hitters. Yeah, three hitters. He's going to have Lorenzo Cain, Marcana, Starling Castro, Lucas Gio, and da- Lucas Giolito, and David Price on every team. All right, go ahead. Make your price sales pitch. <laughs> yeah, I t- uh, wasn't even going for that, and then I was like, "Ooh, this is a pun." So, <laughs> those are the out. best. Yeah. Uh, well, I wrote a, a a piece for the athletic that just came out uh, today, and uh, so that was very much top of mind for me. And frankly, if you'd asked me to make this list a week ago, Price probably wouldn't have been on it. And this isn't just a knee jerk reaction to the fact that now he's a Dodger and he's out of the AL East and NL West. And, and in the piece, I basically the argument in a nutshell is that Price was actually much, much better than the four point, I think it was 4.28 ERA that he put up with the Red Sox last year. I, there's no way I can argue around the health concerns with him. He's made four IL stints in the last three years, and three of them have been for elbow injury. So that's obviously a concern. But um He's currently 73rd among pitchers. That's all pitchers, not starters. He's 53rd among starters in ADP on NFBC. And that's just for the upside that he has. If you just adjust what he did last year based on the skills, he was basically once again uh, like a a 3.5 ERA pitcher. And the skills were intact. He actually whiffed more batters. His four-seam fastball was a much, much better pitch last year for swinging strikes and for ground balls. Um so he was, you know, no worse a pitcher last year than he was in 2018 or, or many of the years prior to that. He's moving to the NL. It's not as much of an upgrade as as a lot of people, I think, are making it out to be. But I don't think he needs the upgrade. I think, if anything, the situation with the Dodgers is advantageous because they probably will protect his innings and maybe help him be a little bit more durable. And, um, you know, you probably see that, you know, those stats you're accustomed to seeing from Price, like a 3.50 ERA, uh, a 1.15 or 1.18 whip somewhere in that neighborhood, um, you know, with the possibility of maybe winning 13, 14, 15 games and uh, well over a strikeout per inning. Okay. And, you know, we've talked about it before. First 17 starts, 316 ERA, 1.15 whip. And then his last five starts, 947 ERA. And, you know, injuries play a role. Um, so Price was pretty good for much of the season, but wasn't going deep into games. He only had eight quality starts in those 17 starts. But, but yeah, I think a lot of... Okay, yeah, we're into it. 
go into it. Good list, Al. Again, it is uh, Lorenzo Cain, Starlin Castro, Mark Canna, Lucas Giolito, and David Price. Ready for some emails? I am ready. Here we go. Fantasy Baseball at CBSI.com. Scott's ready. Al's ready. Mm-hmm. Joe from New York. I listened every day last year, and Ramon Laureano got praises daily. I credit a part of my championship last season to picking up Ramon Laureano. Why hasn't he been mentioned yet this season, Scott? I think the simple explanation is there's just so many more players to talk about this time of year. In-season podcast is a little different from preseason podcast because in-season podcasts, you're pretty much the fringy, the, the fringy rostered guys um, get outsized coverage because they're the ones people are looking at most. And, and, Probably it was in July, last July when Loriano was on an incredible stretch that we were talking about him every day. He's a top. He's at the back end of my top thirty outfielders. He's a guy who will give you some speed, though uh, probably not twenty steel speed, but enough that you target him in part to help with that. I think the the ceiling is decidedly second tier, and there are enough outfielders that verge on first tier status that I'm not terribly excited to draft Loriano, but he doesn't really have any weaknesses except for, I guess, uh, walks and on base percentage and leagues where those matter. Yeah. 27 walks, so 123 strikeouts, but hit 288 in each of his two major league seasons. He's 25 years old and Loriano, I mean, he's got a career 853 OPS with, Let's see, 20 steals in 171 games. But perhaps it could have been better than they had 13 steals in 123 games this year. All right, Al, what do you think about Laureano? Yeah, well, I, I certainly agree with, you know, Scott's assessment that, you know, we're not, we're not talking about I haven't talked about him at all. I haven't written about him at all because he's established himself. I don't think there's much, you know, playing time's not going to be a question. The general skill set, I think he's established it. And so I don't, I'm not really looking for any sort of drop off there. Well, he's cu- quite costly, according to Fantasy Pros, although Scott and I maybe were spelling Fantasy Pros differently and going to different websites. But according to me, he's going 93rd overall. So right after Eddie Rosario, before. I see the 93 number you're referring to. It's all the way on the right. I'm saying the number all the way on the left is what? The left of Ramon Laureano's name is 89. Oh, which that is pretty close number. To 93. Oh, can, you know what? No, my number is so much better than yours. I disagree. My number because is your number people... means your your number means there is no player with a two ADP. There is no player yeah, who's second. Mike Trout, 1.8. overall on average. 1.8, Mike Trout. You round up, Scott. He's two. There's, okay, there's no there's four. Like, there's like a dozen players who are, uh, you know, 120, one whatever. I'm trying to find a good example, but like, yeah, it, it gets it, it gets to large gaps of the draft get skipped just by virtue of uh, how averages work, how finding the average of something. Yeah, but works. I'm telling you where he goes on average. He goes 93rd. He is the eight. He's 89th in average ADP, which means there are 88 players. I have a higher ADP. I, I think the, I think the way I do it makes more sense. Yeah, Sorry. Okay, Sorry. so anyway, every, he's every going. Player, every after, number gets occupied. After Eddie Rosario, Loriano, before Tommy Pham, before Josh Donaldson, before uh, Andrew Benintendi. That sounds that sounds better than the way you described him, Scott. 
Uh, okay. No, I'd be I'm curious just where his ADP shows him in the outfield. Uh, let me look that up right now. Loriano in the outfield. They have him 24th. I said he was at the back end of my top 30. So it may just be that. I mean, look, these are these are roto ADP results, which I would assume means mostly five outfielder leagues. I don't, well, I, how, how would you how would you rank right. those guys? Rosario, Loriano, Fam. Um, I would rank them Fam, Rosario, Loriano. Al. Oh boy, this is bad because I actually have published. Uh, well, you guys do too. You have uh, published hitter rankings, and this is really. I'm going to say top of mind. Uh, I probably have them Fam Rosario, uh, or I mean Fam uh, Loriano Rosario. Okay. Now I'm going to test myself. But you both have Fam first. At least you think you do. I do have Fam first. I mean, he's the most. He's probably going to give you the most steals of the group. And certainly in leagues where there's where on base percentage matters at on, he's far and away better than the other two. True, true. I might have to adjust my rankings because I actually have Rosario ahead of Loriano, and my my gut went the opposite on that. Yeah. Next email is from Justin in Toronto. Hey, Craig, Dante, and Vlad. We know them, Toronto. I'm in a head-to-head dynasty points league that does not allow us to pick up or drop anyone during the season. This format forces you to be very selective when carrying prospects. Are Nick Pavetta or Kyle Wright worth hanging on to anymore? Uh, I would say not Nick Pavetta. Kyle Wright, he's he's a top 65 prospect for me, so I just don't know how deep your league goes into the prospect pool, but uh, considering it's a points league, which would favor pitchers more, uh, I, I would lean yes on Kyle Wright, but you know, if only 40 prospects are being kept total, maybe not. Yeah, obviously, it depends on the, the depth of the league. But, you know, Scott, if I'm thinking about the league where you're the commissioner, uh, you know, our head-to-head uh, dynasty league. Yeah, it's a 2014 league. So Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was kind of my initial reference point. It's like, well, of course I would keep both of these guys. But, yeah, obviously, uh, Wright gets a priority. From David, I've seen Mitch Keller pretty low on a lot of rankings, both for single season and dynasty. He's 23-year-old top prospect with a pretty secure starting job who just pitched to a good XFIP and high K rate in the majors in his debut. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mitch Keller's future? Somebody hasn't seen my sleepers list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mitch Keller. You know, I, I, I invest so heavily in, in the arms I feel like I can trust that I, I generally don't have to take a flyer on an upside guy late. But Mitch Keller would be pretty high on my list of the ones I do because... um. He uh he had an ERA over seven during his time in the majors, but he missed a lot of bats. His XFIP was actually in the mid threes. It would have been, I don't know, top 15 or something overall. It's obviously small sample size, and maybe it's not even fair to cite that. But my point is just that he he looked better than the seven-something ERA. And he really, really blew up in the minors in terms of strikeouts. He added a slider to his repertoire that would immediately became his best swing and miss pitch. And he, he had been searching for that third pitch throughout his minor league career, kept trying for a changeup, didn't happen. But that slider really seems to have moved him over the hump. He has a great fastball. That's what made him a top prospect in the first place. And uh, I think we were nearing a point where we should worry about every Pirates pitching prospect just because they didn't seem to know what to do with them. But now total regime change, I, I 
I think Keller's a pretty good bet to meet his upside. Here's our old mate, Richard Punch. Remember Richard Punch, Al? I sure do. Yeah, from Australia. He says, good day, Blue Sox, Bullets, and Cavalry. Uh, okay. Al, yeah, I, I'm still not getting references. I feel like you should know that, Al. Picking up right where I left off. I mean, I don't know that. I just feel like Al should. They <laughs> 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 feel like minor league teams to me. I don't know. Manassas Cavalry. Bris- I don't know. Yeah, okay. Uh, 12-team standard, 5x5, five five, head-to-head categories, keeper league. Managers keep eight players with no price or penalty, and you can keep them as long as you want. He's keeping Pete Alonso, Jordan Alvarez, Vlad Jr., Rizzo, and Scherzer. So choose three from this group. Altuve, Correa, Sale, J.D. Martinez, Jose Ramirez, and Gavin Lux. You can keep them as long as you want. Altuve, Correa, Sale, J.D. Martinez, Jose Ramirez, and Gavin Lux. Sale and Ramirez, for sure. Jose Ramirez. Um, I think I'd lean Correa here. He's still so young. I do worry about the back becoming a long-term issue for him, but I, I think picking anyone else here is getting too cute. Unless uh, unless you go Altuve. Uh, maybe you go Altuve. But J.D. Martinez is, goes ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, be, I'm really cute because I'll, I'll take Martinez over Correa. Yeah, I... I mean, if you feel okay. like if you feel right. like you yeah, have, I'm probably okay. I'm probably the one being too cute by going. <laughs> yeah, it's I, like I, I regret I regret everything. You know what it was? My head was out of it because I was looking up Blue Sox bullets and cavalry. And what did you find? Those are Australian baseball league ah, teams. Ah, okay, which okay. would make sense. Oh, the Brisbane Brisbane Bullet Bandits. Bris, Brisbane, right? How do you say Brisbane? I think it's Brisbane. Yeah, Brisbane. All right, Southside Rusty, dear Toby, Stanley, Phyllis, and Creed. I know that one. Al, yeah. do, you know that, do you know that one, Al? No. Toby, no. Stanley, Phyllis, and Creed. Get, do you have Netflix? Uh, no. I don't know that it's going to be on Netflix for much longer. Oh, really? I'm not sure. I, I know Friends. Friends I is out. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from an area of expertise I don't have. But I don't think but Friends yeah, is out The anymore. Office, obviously, yeah. and it's, uh, it's, uh, it is definitely the defining sitcom of its generation. So 100%. You, need, you need to get versed in that one now. Yeah. And you could skip yeah, season should've, one. Should have known that one. Skip season one. Uh, okay. Six episodes. There it, it sets up some it's, stuff. It's Don't three hours it. of his life. It's three hours. Yeah, of his it's, life. It's, it's worth more it. like two hours. <laughs> All right. 12 team, six by six category. Keeper league. Keep forever. Grade the trade slash make me feel better. I gave up Nolan Arenado for Yoan Moncada and Michael Kopech. Wow, it's a homer move, Southside Rusty. Could be great. <laughs> yeah, it's D plus. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> hey, it could be it. It could be an A plus if everything goes right. Right? Could be an A plus. Yeah, if, if they become the the chances either, the chances of either one becoming a star on Nolan Arenado's level, I think, is so small. They both could become fine players, but. I mean, we we already have a pretty good idea who Moncada is, and it's significantly less than that. I mean, maybe maybe he could grow into a little bit more, but I I don't know. I, I think Arenado Arenado is one of those franchise shaping players that you don't give up without getting one back in return, unless it's a cost difference kind of thing. And I'm assuming all of these players are being kept on equal terms, so it's just a no. Sounds good, Al. D plus for you, but it was an A plus A plus return. 
Thanks for coming on. Ah, my pleasure. When it's I said A-plus return, I meant your return. I didn't mean the return that he got yeah, in the no, trade. Yeah, I, you know, I had to mull that over for a second. <laughs> but uh, thank you bad. for having me on. Thank you for asking me back. Uh, it's it's a pleasure, man. It's We love having you on. Uh, we miss you. you. Let me know when you're in New York. I feel like you come to New York sometimes. You don't let me know. Uh, Tot Wars weekend. Okay. I will pro- probably be there. I never go anywhere. <laughs> Scott White, thank you. Position preview tomorrow, Scott. Get ready. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I am beyond ready, Adam. I'm, I'm even doing uh, strategy write-ups for each position. Oh, nice. So I'll be in good shape when those start. Although I think we're starting re- with relief pitcher. We are. In the written form, I'm definitely not starting with relief pitcher. So maybe I'll be totally clueless. We'll see. It's the dumbest one to start with because it changes the most throughout spring training. <laughs> but I start with it every year because it's just like kind of an easy one to research. And it just, you know... Just get it out of the way. But we'll, you know, we'll have to update. We'll have to do version two or something. That's Al Melchior and Scott White. This is Deja Vu. I'm Adam Azer. Talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.